You're listening to The Hour with Resident Advisor. The Hour! This, this is this, this, The Hour. You're listening to The Hour. This is The Hour. With Resident Advisor. Hello and welcome to The Hour. My name's Ryan Keeling and I'm the editor at Resident Advisor. The Hour is RA's blend of documentaries, discussion, interviews and lots of other things besides. Today's show has a bit of a DJing theme. We'll be asking a group of DJs to share their favorite tips for using Pioneer's CDJs. And Paul Wolford, aka Special Request, will be telling us how he put together his fantastic Fabric Live mix, which got the RA Recommend stamp earlier today. But first, it's Behind the Track. This is our regular feature in which artists tell us the story behind tracks they wrote that went on to be classics. Octave One's Black Water came out originally in the year 2000, but it's a track that continued to snowball for many years afterwards. What was at first an instrumental techno track, albeit a pretty emotional and uplifting one, eventually got re-recorded with a vocal from Anne Saunderson and an epic orchestral intro. It was a smash in clubs and on the radio around the world. I called up Lenny and Lawrence Burden, who explained the many chapters of the story behind Blackwater. I remember we were working in the basement uh, at my parents' home where we had put our studio, built our studio, and uh, we were just working on a 12-inch at first. Uh, and it just, the, the idea of Blackwater was really, uh, uh, one of our other brothers, we were showing them some pro- how to do certain things as far as in the studio. And he kind of came up with the idea, the initial concept for it. And we just, it just kind of grew from there. We just kept adding to it at that time until we got a finished product. And we felt good, but you know, all tracks feel good. You, you, you never know what's going to happen to any of the music until it actually hits the streets. That wasn't the one we were focusing in on at the time. It, it, it's always been like two sets of us. It was three older brothers, myself, Lawrence, and Lionel. We were constantly like just showing, you know, our, our younger brothers, Lance and Lauren, how to make music and how to operate the, the gear and stuff because they had constantly been walking us in the studio. And this was just part of one of those sessions where we were um, showing um, Lauren how to operate a particular, you know, couple pieces of, uh, of gear. Uh, the initial uh, melody for Black Waters, just basically it was the result of of us showing him and him coming back like, what do you think of this? We're like, man, that's pretty good. You know, and we just started building on top of that. Um, we just started, I mean, it's kind of how we do music, still how we do music today, is that, you know, one brother might come up with an idea and we all just kind of jump in. The timing of, of you know, of music is, is, is so important. Um, even with Black Water, it took, you know, maybe, I don't know, it took a while for it to even really catch on. Um, uh, you know, once again, you know, we, we just kept, we, we thought we had something really nice and, and we just kept uh, working on it and, and they get, the idea just kind of just snowballed from the simple melody to the finished song. Well, the main melody was, uh, 
uh, wow, I'm trying to remember what I think we used the Proteus strings at first. Um, yeah, I can't. Uh, yeah, that's and, good. Uh, and I think it was it probably was some kind of dark, probably Yamaha bass line. I would assume bass sounds. It's it's been so long ago, man. I mean, man, wow, man. This what the song that people know today, as far as the main one that everyone keeps playing, is we went back in the studio and we decided to do a, a stream mix, and it was the first time that techno kind of met orchestra detroit techno met an orchestra and we went in and worked with the urban soul orchestra and we did a live stream version of uh black water with the music that we had composed we did a license with a company in london called concept they gave us a budget to do whatever we wanted to do uh additionally yeah. and initially just- was it was supposed to be a video budget we threw the video budget into working with the orchestra and that's how we came out with the piece that everyone knows. We were over the moon. It was completely life-changing. We heard the first strings just start to strike, you know, hearing them live. Yeah, it was something we just couldn't believe that, you know, we started this in our, in our mom's basement and we were in the middle of London working with the orchestra. Just open your heart, just open your mind and let your love flow like the sunshine. The rivers run deep and valleys go dry. Lyrics uh, actually, Anne was over in our studios, Saunderson, who actually wrote the lyrics and, and sang on Blackwater. And she happened to hear uh, Blackwater. I think I played, I was goofing off on the turntables. And she was like, What's that? She wanted a copy of it so she could listen to it on the way home. And on the way home, she called us and she said, You know what? I got some lyrics for this song. And she, she was driving and she was singing us. The lyrics, just some ideas, and we were just like, you know what? We like that. We like that. Go with that. She would call us like every couple of minutes and have something different, and we were just like, we love that. Stick with that. Keep going with that, you know. And by the time she got home, she pretty much had finished the whole song. Yeah, we really didn't know it was really selling well, and at the time, we get a phone call from a you know a really good friend of ours in Detroit, uh, Mr. Jeff Mills, and he's telling us, "Man, you guys are work- you guys have a really good record there that you guys are working on." Every club he would go to, he would hear it. He said, "Man, you guys get that record is blowing up," and that was the original version of it without vocals and stuff. You know, you know, as a as a musician, as a producer, once again, you think everything is special, but someone else saying it, especially someone you know of the caliber of Jeff Mills, telling you that. You have to stop and pay attention. And um, that's basically what we did. We had to stop and pay attention to our record.
It's obvious that the way people DJ has changed dramatically over the last 20 years. Companies have developed countless new alternatives to the traditional turntables and a mixer setup. But the one that's had by far the biggest impact and been adopted by the most people is Pioneer's CDJs. In 2017, these things are very much an industry standard. But how many of us who use CDJs are fully aware of what they're actually capable of? We thought we'd reach out to a group of artists and ask them to share their favorite tips for using CDJs, and in particular, the CDJ2000 Nexus. So stand by for tips from Object, AG, James Abila, Purple Purple, and Mesh. But first, here's the Berlin DJ Don Williams, who's a regular at clubs like Berghain and Tresor. My first tip is um, using the master key. This is very handy if you want to get rid of the pitch bend sounds when slowing down or speeding up a record while uh, finding the right tempo. And um, if you engage the master key button, totally eliminates all of those sounds. So if that's your intention, to get rid of that sound, you should use it. Otherwise, I mean, some people really like to have the human touch, so to speak, that you can actually hear how a record is slowed down or sped up. The second tip is browse by BPM. Like most of the tips we're discussing today, it's best if you run your music through the Record Box software, which you can download for free from Pioneer's website. So to expand on Don's tip a little bit, when you load up your playlist on the CDJ, you'll usually just see track names. But if you press the info button at the top, a box appears with the artist name and BPM and so on. If you press the menu button at the top, you can sort your tracks in the way Don mentioned. So hit menu, press down on the rotary dial to bring up the sort menu. And then you can choose to sort your playlist by things like BPM, artist name, rating, and key. I tend to use this feature when doing warm-up sets, where I usually start very slow and tend to end up like maybe 20 to 30 BPM faster in the end of the set uh, than I began. And it's also very nice how you can rediscover tracks which you haven't maybe played in a long time. I find it very, very handy. The last tip I would like to share with you, well, it has to do with the with the media as itself. So if you find yourself playing um, waves, AIFs, high resolution MP3s, if you can call it like that, um, you should consider uh, taking a SSD drive rather than a USB uh, thumb drive. I found out that using an SSD drive, it speeds up the whole process by two or three times. I realized that SSD drives have been really <laughs> it's kind of a lifesaver for me in some situations because uh, they sped up the process so much. I've got two His object. CDJ tips, I guess. One of them's fun but not very useful and the other one's useful but not very fun. Um, I'll start with the less fun one first, which is, I guess, kind of obvious to a lot of people, but maybe not so obvious to others, which is that if you're correcting the position of a, a track playing on a CDJ and you turn the wheel um, relatively quickly and aggressively with like a short movement, then you get this audible warble in the pitch of the record. So I'll just play this, this kind of melodic track now and um, push the jog wheel forwards quickly so you can hear what I'm talking about. <laughs> 
do it in the other direction, you get this. Which, um, I don't know, if you, if you, I find if I hear that when someone's mixing, then it's, it takes you out of the zone a bit. The illusion's shattered a bit, if you know what I mean. And there's a really, really easy way around this, and that's just to move the jog wheel much more slowly, but over a longer period of time, I'll show you what I mean. Which you could barely hear. If you just kind of bear in mind to adjust the jog wheel as kind of slowly and gently as you can, then you avoid all of these like jarring pitch ups and pitch downs. So that's like a really basic, um, not very fun, but I think actually pretty useful thing to bear in mind when using CDJs. The more um, adventurous uh, thing that I could suggest is a feature that you get on the CDJ 2000 Nexus and above, which is slip mode. It's a button that's uh, at about 10 o'clock on the jog wheel. It says slip, um, and when you activate it, it goes red and you get a different, like a, a kind of loop readout display on the, on the CDJ. Essentially what slip mode does is uh, reconfigures the way that the looping and forward and reverse direction work, as well as the turntable break and turntable release, and also the, the platter in vinyl mode. So if slip mode is disabled, then when you, when you enable a loop while you're playing back a track, then when you exit the loop, the playback will continue from wherever the playhead is. Whereas if slip mode is enabled, then when you get out of the loop, it will jump back to where the playhead would have been had you not gotten into the loop in the first place, which means that the track stays in time no matter what um, trickery you do on top of it. So I'll just demonstrate that now with a track without slip mode on. The clap talk is the talk. So you can kind of see that the playback goes out of sync still in time, but the track will shift along by a few beats. Whereas if you turn slip mode on and try the same thing, you get this. The clap talk and you can extend this as well to um, to reverse and also to um, unquantized loops, which means you can do some quite fun stuff with like uh, kind of stuttering rhythms and um, glitches. So it's um, obviously pretty easy to overdo this kind of stuff, but I'll leave it up to you how to, uh, <laughs> how to employ that particular trick. My name is Purple Purple, and I'm a DJ producer, and I'm also part of uh, the Bottom Up Club Nights here in Oslo, Norway. I'm going to show you a little DJ tip uh, on the CDJs today. You could uh, create your own personal sound on it. I use the pitch, and I love to use it on wide, because then I can use the spectrum of the tempo and of the sound on it. And this is especially good if you want to like go from low BPM to high BPM, this is really, really good. Okay, let's go.
you can actually feel that you increasing the energy in it and I love to use this if I want to switch it up a little bit or want to take it down or want to take another direction and stuff this is what I use and that's my DJ tip for you I caught up with James Zabila who's known as a bit of a virtuoso on Pioneer Gear and he's been a brand ambassador for the company. There's the not-so-secret deck switch, basically made for like beat juggling. If you press the sync button and then press it again and hold it in, what it'll do is it'll play whatever's playing on the other deck, it'll just seamlessly sync up and mirror what the other deck's doing completely and you can just crossfade from one deck to the other. Um, and the reason that's handy is I've had a few occasions where something's not working on one player. It could be just some, like a button stuck in where someone spilled a drink on it or something like that, or the display's a bit weird. So you can basically just stay on one player the whole time, the best functioning player. Um, that's really handy. And another occasion um, is when I've had another act come in. They wanted to take out all the other CDJs that are kind of in their way. They want to set up all their uh, controllers or, or whatever. And they want to remove uh, the player, a link, all the link players. You can take them all out, obviously, if you just if you keep switching back to that one deck. So that's pretty handy. It comes from like the old hip hop days where you're playing two of the same record and then just jump from one to the other, making little delays, you know, you, so you'd like echo the snare by just repeating it and crossfadering over. So that, that's kind of where it came from. one like another one like if you come into problems with vibration in the DJ booth is set the jog sensitivity to heavy because it can play havoc with your mixes sometimes if there's a load of vibration and, and, and it's moving the platter around especially if you're doing um, a manual loop and you've got the loop points open um, you, you obviously can adjust those loop points um, by turning the jog wheel so if you've got those open and the vibration is changing your loop points it can set you off I like to use the auto loops as well. It's great if you need to go for a pee, you know that the track's not gonna run out <laughs> when you come back. And on the vibration tip as well, I also, when I, the first thing I do when I come into a DJ booth is I go around the back of the players and give the little link cable a, a wiggle. <laughs> and if the, uh, if the player light goes out, if it goes gray, you know you could be into some trouble later in the night. So in, in that case, then I'll use a backup USB or I'll use USBs in each player. And another thing, if you're not very organized like me and you've got really large playlists, you just bung everything in and you get to the gig and you've got a thousand tracks and you're like scrolling through like, oh my God, this just looks like hieroglyphics um, in the heat of the moment. What you can do is you can, and this is also in the manual, but no one ever reads the manual and including me, um, you can push in the encoder and hold it in and you get little blue arrows up and down and just like page up and down. So. On the new players, I think it's like you see eight tracks at a time. So you just, if you scroll down, you just see the next eight and the next eight and the next eight. So that's super handy. And, and it's something like, I've done it a few times and the other DJs have been like, what, what's that blue arrow that comes up on the screen? And I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, it's just a, you know, it's a page up and down encoder. I like to use the cue points as memory markers. Uh, so not necessarily actual cue points, but like for when something's gonna happen, you know, like a vocal or, something's gonna happen on the track or maybe i just leave myself a stupid note that i have to you know buy some milk later or whatever and amuse myself so i've got like cue points going through a lot of my tracks just like you know this is where the ride comes in this is where the uh, you know the claps come in and you can actually name those things and on the new players it, it comes up in the uh, in the top left of the screen what's going to happen at your next cue point 
So it's really handy if you've got a load of new tracks and you don't know them very well. You know, on a similar tip, I use the comments as well because you know I'm, I used to buy a lot of records. I still buy a lot of records, but uh, now I don't have to write on the middle of the label with marker pen. You know, they can come up in the comments um, in your in your settings. You can you can set it up so you get track info and your comments scroll along. So yeah, until you, you know your records really well and know your tracks really well, you can have that as an aid. Actually, something someone mentioned to me last week was putting the um, LCD display in another color. Yeah, yeah, I do that as well. And that's helpful because uh, like, uh, it stops you forgetting your USB key. If you see like, oh yeah, you know, because I've got mine set to purple a lot of the time. And I can say, oh right, this, the screen's still purple, which means I need to get my, my SD card out or, or whatever, if I'm using an SD card. SD cards are, are the devil because they're just so small and you can easily lose them. Hey, I'm AG. I'm a grime DJ and radio host and some would say producer sometimes. For me, CGJs are an instrument and like a pathway. Um, sometimes I just use CGJs just to mix the next track, but sometimes I like to be creative and create new tracks and uh, loop like by hand and like use the CDJ as like a, a manual instrument in that way. like live looping and live queuing and you know playing about with it i don't really use a lot of effects but uh it's mostly it's mostly cue tricks that i play with with the cgj so yeah that's what the cgj is for me it's like a way to mix tracks in but it's also a way to like jazz up your mix <laughs> It was 2016, the club fabric. <laughs> I was on decks, I was playing a, a really angry sound in a grind beat and then I just decided I wanted to switch it up. I wanted to, um, I don't know, get a bit of singing in. So I think I cued in a Rihanna track. It was her Jump On It uh, remix. I cued it from where she brings in the chorus and yeah, I was just literally button bashing the cue button. <laughs> And she was just saying, jump on it, jump on it, jump on it. And it like, it really opened my eyes to how much things you can do with the CDJ. Like, I didn't even beat match. Like, it was a lot slower than the beat that I was playing. But uh, because I had, you know, taken out the bass and I brought in the mids a bit higher, you could just hear her voice over like the really aggressive sounding grind beat. And yeah, that was really cool for me.
so that was pretty crazy. <laughs> Can you explain how you've achieved that effect? Um, that was basically just two decks playing the same drum track on a CDJ2000 setup, um, and then setting the like the pitch fader to wide mode, which basically goes between zero BPM and whatever high number. And then if you keep it set to master tempo mode, then the Pioneer pitch detection algorithm will be obviously trying to keep it in the same pitch and you get lots of interesting artifacts out of that. And if you combine it with like a cue points loops and like the reverse uh, toggle, um, you can do some pretty stupid stuff with it. How did you stumble upon this uh, functionality or this hack of functionality, let's say? You know, it gets kind of uh, boring up there sometimes, you know, and like the, the gear is so well built, it's just kind of asking to be knocked around a little bit. So it kind of um, started from there, but also just like looking for interesting ways to, since my music is, is such, it's like a studio practice, quote unquote, it's like trying to find ways to kind of separate out different aspects of a song or a track or whatever and find interesting ways to use like a playback format in a way that's not just um, you know playing back a timeline and on a laptop or something like that just being more tactile so this would be more of a live performance element for you uh, yeah like I like to have you know three or four CDJs like I'll break down different parts of my tracks to maybe like two percussive sections and then maybe like a pads only section or, or whatever it is. Or it could even just be like the same file but duplicated across different players. But um, a lot of it just kind of happens in the moment and um, just kind of like assembling something in a way that feels more, more um, natural and open than just a um, pre-planned set of, of moments in a, in a night. So it would almost be, okay, it's uh, time for a blast of this and to have some fun with it. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's not the most ideal way to perform and I'm always looking for other things that I can add, whether it's different, like like adding a laptop to play different soft sense or different things like that. Um, but I'm just, I'm really impatient with the idea of like, um, like MIDI clocks, like or slaving to one master clock. I like um, trying to bring things together in a way that are, like, like things that aren't necessarily on the same grid, but trying to find ways to bring them together through different forms of syncopation. So I've been experimenting with using uh, this VST called Scratch Track Pro, I believe it's called, um, to kind of like, I have this CDJ 350, like the budget CDJ at home, and I'm trying to add it to my setup where I can kind of take a live audio input um, into a laptop and then control it with the seat with that CDJ as a MIDI controller in a way. Um, so that I can have, I can play like live synth or something like that, or a sample, and then have it kind of automatically loaded into like a CDJ format. It becomes part of like the, the classic CDJs and mixer setup. It's so like industry standard, you know, it's like in every club. And there's something that I like about the fact that you have this like m muscle memory of how to, to play back different sounds and um, like bend things together in a way that's kind of like universal or like default. I like the fact that it's like, um, it looks default or it feels default. Um, so I'm just, I'm basically like trying to figure out new ways to, um, yeah, like bring more live sounds into that same kind of physical setup in a way. If you've got your own CDJ tips, please feel free to share them with us in the comments section on RA. You're listening to The Hour with Resident Advisor. 
The Fabric Mix series has been on a hot streak recently with killer entries from Nina Kravis and Cool Super. The latest in the Fabric Live series is just as essential. It's by Paul Wolford under his special request alias. The project started out as a sort of homage to the pirate radio stations Wolford listened to when he was young. But on Fabric Live 91, he shows that special request has come to encompass a broad range of up-tempo club music. When you think about it, mixes are often just as important as artist albums and dance music. And in this conversation with Wolford, you'll be able to hear just how seriously and deeply artists like him think about their mixes. Thanks for stopping by anyway. Thank you. Um, you're playing Fabric this evening. That's which, right. Which is yeah. what brings you to town. Mm-hmm. So I understand you first played the club in 2004. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember? I do, yeah. It was it was in room one with uh, De Jules and um, Martin Lansky. And uh, and it was great. It was great, but I was, I was, I felt so rough. I'd had a friend's 40th the night before and I promised myself that I wouldn't be out late and it got later and later and later and it was like I felt like death and it and it taught and to, to this day I think back and think you idiot why did you do that you know you, like your big fabric debut yeah, yeah exactly and um and it was you know it was it was good it was it was a great gig I really I really um I felt good about it and Judy gave me some great feedback you know it was it worked well and it, you know to Jules and Martin are both, you know, exceptionally skilled DJs in their own right and lovely people. So it was, you know, it was great. It was a dream come true, you know. Yeah, yeah. And it's, and since then you've been playing fairly regularly. Yeah. And doing both Fridays and Saturdays, right? Yeah. Yeah, I've kind of I've got into every probably nook and cranny of that of that building at some point over the last few years. Has it been a case of like the special request stuff's been mainly Friday? Is that kind of what got you yeah. into those bookings? Yeah, on, onto the Friday, yeah, definitely. Um, and then, you know, there's been other things that have, that have happened. So like I ended up doing Rinse, you know, they used to do the Boxing Day sessions there. So I did that once and um, me and Howie B did Room 3 one night, you know, sort of seven, seven hours or so, which was wild. He's a... Uh, an old friend of mine and, and that was great so you know I've really got to stretch out in there with that in mind then how large in your mind was the club looming when you were putting the mix together oh, massive you know I, I think it, it's hard to um, it's hard to uh, to pull the, the club out of it you know and, and it's it's the, the, the good thing about it is when when they ask you to contribute to the mix series they don't give you any there's no prescription there's no you know that they, they and that, that's what I love about the organisation generally. Be that whether you're playing there or you know whether you record for Houndstooth, you know they just want you to do what you do and they trust you to give them, you know, something of quality. Um, and uh, so yeah, I think I think we had discussed it. We discussed it a couple of times in a very vague roundabout way, and then um, it was at Christmas and um, uh, this Christmas Rob, just yeah, gone, just gone. Yeah, yeah and Rob. Rob Butterworth um, got in touch with me and he just he just said right let's do it um, you've got three weeks which was great three weeks thanks Rob <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah so but but luckily luckily for me I'd, from earlier on uh, last year we discussed it and so I'd kind of tentatively put a few things aside 
you know, I'd had this little playlist going and, and that, I'd, that I'd forgotten about. And also, before, previous to that, I had two years of sort of, well, no, sorry, a year of going back and discussing another project, um, another SR um, mix project, which didn't, which hasn't yet um, come to fruition. So I'd kind of, I'd been in the context, my, my mind was in the context of pulling out records and thinking about how to present such a project. Okay. Um, and so what happened was, I had all of that in my mind, and then I made sure that the 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 way I was going to present the other thing um, w- was different to this. So, uh, so yeah. So basically, I'd had the I'd had these things in floating around the ether, and then um, when they said, right, you've got three weeks, it's a case of going right. Okay, well, what about this and this and this and this? and then you start to put it together. So was it a case that you um, had an overall plan of attack or a structure in your mind and then you selected the tracks or did you just have a bunch of tracks and then you yeah, wanted to make sense very of much them? I, I had a bunch of tracks and, and okay. also um, and the first bunch was so disparate, you know, it was kind of like, because that's how I always work with, with um with 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 uh, with commercially released compilations, I've what I've always done is just got you know there's a playlist and you just fire stuff into it, and then at some point you sit down and assess it all, and then um, and, and then take it from there. And, and the it, it it was funny because, I, you know, I, I finally got to the point where I'm like right okay let's assess it, and immediately it was kind of clear what the you know how how it would not you know not the, not the actual structure but the rough. You know, it was, it was, it's like, it was like almost, I think it was almost, it was very close to the order in which I'd been putting things aside. Oh, it was okay. kind of like, so it was, it just emerged itself. It was almost like, you know, I, without, you know, it's not that I'm channeling something, but it's, it's, you know, I didn't have to think about it as much as I was expecting to. I was expecting to come to this, this bunch of disparate tracks with a, with a kind of like, right, how's this going to work? And it okay. wasn't, it was just like, all oh, right, there's a, there's a natural there's a natural way up here. Yeah, um, I see, And then I see. it was a case of playing around with that. Okay, so how did the um, sort of exclusive tracks or the new music sort of factor into this? That that sort of came about as I have as I was putting it together. So, you know, okay. you, you sort of, you, you're playing records together and you're getting a little vibe and you're just sort of kind of working out, working out, okay, well, how, how is this going to happen? And then there were there were a couple of points where i thought right i need a transition i need a record that's a transitional record or i need a and then w- there was one track that we um there was a, there was going to be a ur track on there i was going to ask yeah. actually if there was anything you attempted yeah. to get but weren't able to uh, yeah and I, you know i just have to say i want i want this to be on record because it you know it, the track final frontier um was going to be on the mix and and we just you know i think mike had a lot of things going on at the time we just couldn't get hold of him at the time and, yeah i see um, and then we got a, we got a message back from somebody from ur uh, later on saying oh you know it's, we, we would have made it happen it was just a case of we just couldn't make it happen on the day because we had so little time okay. and um, so that that was the one there was one moment there of, of where I was you know I was, I was concerned and I was you know I spent about a week of, uh, of every night just thinking oh god please 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 and then the other thing was uh, Richard James Aphex Twin um, because the the rights to Cordylatron um, the Caustic Window track like they've reverted to him after after Reflex closed so I see um, okay so 
Uh, we had to get in touch with him. Now he's not, you know, he's not the most accessible guy. But, you know, having said that, he has opened up a little bit with his SoundCloud of late. So, uh, but anyway, we managed to make it happen. And right on the day, I think it was the, I think it was the, like the evening of the day where, where it was like, right, this is the last day. We got a message back from him saying, yeah, you can use it. So, oh, okay. so there was that and another track from him. But Warp had the rights to the other track, the... Um, uh, the trap from Polygon Window. Yes. So, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. so yeah. So for me, to get a personal approval from Richard James for me is a massive. Is that's a massive thing, you know. So how did you go about uh, sort of demoing the mixes and messing around and stuff? Was that something you were doing in the computer? Were you just like no, playing just, on the decks? Just playing, yeah. yeah just, okay. just um, you know, just getting everything into one this huge, you know, grab bag playlist putting it on a couple of USBs and like there's a couple of things from vinyl that, that that I'd ripped so I could so it was just a case of just flipping through things so you can try and mix this out as fast as you can and then um, and then yeah then going from there so yeah and there, and there was there were you know there was because you know I'm saying it was pretty straightforward but obviously within that process there's always going to be you know a couple of moments where where you're looking you're looking at things and you're listening and thinking god this is really quite obtuse these angles are you know, <laughs> you know, sort of. <laughs> I need a tractor for together. this. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, yeah. I think the 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 mix, the cod Ilatron into the um, uh, into the Stingray track, that was that was a bit of a eureka. I was like, right, okay, this is this is this is early on. This is a okay. It must is, be nice yeah. when they look together. Like yeah, that. yeah, it was great. So, why did you opt to do it on um, sort of vinyl and files and like record that rather than do Ableton? Yeah, because. I'd say, yeah, the reason is because I did. I've I've done it both ways over the years, and and the last I did a I did a whole like a double compilation many moons ago for Renaissance, um, completely you know in Ableton, which was great. I loved it, and it was because my my missus. It's because she we'd been talking about it, and she she said that she loved that mix the most. Um, and, and I was almost like, I was like, but why do you, I, don't you think it's really clinical? And she was like, no, I just hear it for being, for being, uh, you know, for, for, I just hear the music on it. And, uh, you know, I don't, I'm not thinking about the other stuff. And I think, I think it was almost in, in some weird way. I was like, right. Cause, cause she's not really into the jungle side of things, you know, the okay. more extreme, she likes bits of it, yeah. but she's, she's not really into the more extreme things. So I was kind of like, right. Okay. So I, I'd had that in my mind as well. I was kind of like. Oh, that's really, you know, just just weighing that up, and then um, and then also, you know, ultimately, where you know, f especially in, for the later part of the mix, you know, and, and and for the special request gigs that I do, you know, I couldn't imagine, I couldn't imagine, you know, I, I don't, I don't even use record box, you know, yeah, I don't sure. play synced, I don't, I've never played off a computer in my life. It's just not, it's it's just not something I've done. I've done it for studio mixes to get to get a really lush level of detail, so I could obsess over yeah, it okay. as, as a you know as a way to explore that side, which is great. I th I, th I think that it's you know it's not that I don't think it's valid. I absolutely do, but for this. I just wanted some roughness in there. I wanted some. I wanted some. I wanted the listener to feel my hands on the on the plastic at points. You know. Yeah, sure. Uh, I mean, so, is there a mix that you yeah. think sort of um, embodies that? The Forest West Drive and the Dillinger. The the sort of and and coming back from uh, from Shape Noise, the Shape Noise into Dillinger into For Forest West Drive, and then what what ended up happening is I brought in the Dillinger tune again. Uh, and that was totally, you know, I didn't, that's just, you you recording it, because I, I, I recorded it onto a hard disk um, recorder, and, and it, you know, that's recording, I'm just, 
you're playing and you've zoned out completely. You know what it's like when when you're playing and you 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 know when it's all happening, you're not even thinking at all, and it's just sort of mixed out. Got you know, Forest West Drive starts up, and the the the, the tension in that mix as well. Because what I realised later was that I'm sure that, I, and maybe I, I can find out from the guys, but Forest West Drive that track Turtle Break, I think there's chorus on the on the drums, and I didn't realise that, but it almost felt like there's. There's a real, a huge amount of tension because I'm trying. I'm thinking, God, is this, is this a little bit wonky? Am I a little bit out here? Am I, am I going deaf? You know, you, you know, you question yourself, don't you? You have to, you have to question yourself. And um, and I think there is some chorus. Maybe I'll find out later on. But anyway, so yeah, we get into Forest West Drive, and then I thought, actually, you know what? Let's let's go back into it. B- brought it back in, um, and yeah, yeah. So that's. There's the tension of it, really, you know, it's it's there for all to see. And I felt good about it as well. I didn't have that, fucking hell, that was a bit of, you know, by the seat of the pants. I just thought, yeah, that's great. Let's, let's keep it.
so uh, my interpretation of the mix is that um, you've got kind of a chapters thing going on. It felt like, you know, there were sections, you built up to something, uh, you allow things to breathe, and then you sort of switch gears. Um, was that how you were, in fact, thinking about it? Yeah, I mean, generally, that's how I, that's how I think of, that's how I think of anything involving you know basically m any any of the dj mixes that i've done um where they're not you know recordings from clubs and, and sometimes in a club situation as well i kind of I, I do think about things in chapters in a way i mean it's a, it's a good word to use it I've, I've not thought about it with that analogy but but it is a it's, it's a good way to view it um yeah but then there's a point where you you don't want to think as well you, you know if if it's if it's happening in the right way it's it's you know, you, you, your mind switches off. Um, but yeah, definitely, definitely. And you can see that, you know. Yeah, I mean, there was a particular uh, section that I wanted to discuss. It was just before you went into the jungle bit. Maybe you could talk us through it. So you have this Stefan um, Vincent track. It's kind of like on a chilled electro vibe. And then um, from there, you kind of build up to playing Dillinger. So yeah, um, maybe talk us through that section. Yeah. So the, uh, the Stefan Vincent track, I mean, this is, I couldn't believe that track wasn't enormous because... To me, it's—I mean—it sounds—it sounds like an absolute classic, and it fe I felt like it came out. I was out. actually surprised as well. Yeah, yeah, when I saw it, it was 2015. I was like, oh, yeah. shit, slept on this. Yeah, it's a real gem. And um, any any time, if I've you know, if we've got people around and that's that record's on because it gets played a lot around at my house, um, or somebody will always say, "What is that?" Yeah, sure. You know, it's it's a beautiful piece of music, but. Um, yeah, the, the the transition from that point into the rest of it was was almost like, right, okay. I've got um, a friend who came to one of my gigs uh, last year, and he he said before I played, it was at Bergheim actually, and he said he said what are you gonna play? And it was a special request thing, and I said I'm probably gonna do about 45 minutes or so of pretty electro sounding things, and he he was baffled. You know, he's really into hardcore and all the history of hardcore and jungle and all the rest of it, and and you know beyond that. But he was, he couldn't, he couldn't see the. He, he was like, what? How does that relate? And it and and to me, it's just another. You know, it's just another part of a non four four beat driven music, which you know, it, to me, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. And the irony is, I didn't end up doing that on that gig. I just went in straight. You know, balls to the wall. But um, but anyway, that's another story. Uh, so yeah, this section, um, I wanted to take take from you know the the Stephen Vincent track, which is so it's so melodic, it's so lush, and it's so to me, it just make you know it reminds me of all all the best the best um, sides of, of the, the most listenable side of techno. You know, super soulful. Um, and then the true knot is a, is a layer underneath it, and it's it's that's EQ. one of yours. Yeah, that's right. A special request track, and it's and it's 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 pretty much a very soundtracky kind of ambient thing. Um, and it's then it's been EQ'd to within an inch of itself, so it's barely there, but it is there as a texture. And then um, Atomic Layers is actually just a spoken word thing from um, from a very old Christian Vogel album. Um, yeah, that I, see, Subro I, I think Sub Rosa released it. So, so, so between these two, you're just kind of layering at that point. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So, so what what happens is the Christian Vogel provides an endpoint to the first half of the mix. Essentially, it's like the dividing line between uh, the first half and the second half. Okay, and then you're going into the shape noise track, and yeah. um, 
I really like this because it's it's almost like a Reese baseline sound that's sort of signalling the arrival of the jungle section. Exactly, yeah. But it's not that's that, it. you know, it's some maybe yeah. distorted guitar sound or something like that. Yeah, yeah and, and that when that track came out, I, it blew me away because it had a, I felt like it had all the power of a no U-turn thing, you know felt like sort of Ed Rush and Nico but not but this coming from a different perspective and someone who you know his background is different and and with Justin K Broderick you know from Godflesh you know that there's a name that I I know that I know his name from listening to John Peel you know going right back to the radio again and my my teenage years so for me that's kind of like right okay so that's that's a name that I know from listening to John Peel yeah, and sure. Andy Kershaw and all of that many many years ago and then and then now we, we can we can draw the line through from from one thing into another and then of course Dillinger and, and the, the mad thing is about that mix is that Dillinger was just a, you know lining it up so it's in key and then going like loop one thing and then just press start on the other and it was Again, it was another one of those mixes where I thought, "Can I, can I do this? Can I?" Isn't is it's pretty it's pretty abrupt, really. But it's like, yeah, I can do what the fuck I want. Bang. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's take a listen. Going back to this layering thing briefly, um, because yeah, we touched on it then, but you do have a few tracks where, I mean, you, you play in like 30 seconds or, or a yeah. bit less in some cases. What was the thinking behind that? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it, it probably feels like that because I have to, I had to give them the timings, you know, for yeah, the CD. Yeah, I suppose CD. my perception of yeah. it is like, yeah. So, so that's, that's maybe... Maybe uh, maybe a little bit skewed because because if if you if you do it strictly by the timings of when when your CD player or your computer go you know it clicks onto the next track you could think God that was in and out and and a couple of them are a little bit like that but yeah you know they're just textural things and I mean like the 
Yeah, the 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 Amerta track that is, you know, there's only a couple of elements of that. It's 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 in in and out, but pretty fast. But then there's there's other times where I've just cut out all of the frequencies apart from the bottom end on things. Okay, like on the um, the uh, the Ed Rush. No, there's not an Ed Rush tune on there. There's a Trace. There's Trace and Nico thing. Yeah. The Trace and Nico thing where um, Keith Fullerton Whitman's in, it was just a case of, right, let's, let's allow some space to, to, to put on the Fullerton Whitman track. And it's a case of, you know, you just pull everything down, but this really, really incredibly deep bottom end, which, I mean, that, that track out as well, you play that thing out, that Trace and Nico record, and it just sounds like it's, a, it's apocalyptic. It's That's like the only word. I didn't know you could go this low. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is kind of, you know, a really... I really love that, and that, that's that's the one of the things that that excites me so much about playing like this and playing these types of sets is that I can go to a kind of extreme where you know many years ago I would try and do that at gigs when I've been playing under my own name, and you know you'd, somebody would always come up and go, "What the fucking hell is this, mate? Yeah, what are you yeah. playing at? Look, there's people walking out over there, you know." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Understandably, because their their expectations are different, but with this. You know, I can I can take it to those kind of extremes and occasionally heavier in yeah. a live setting. Um, talk us through the final section. So you kind of go full circle with this because, I mean, yeah. you've started off on a sort of similar tip, but then you're winding down. It feels like you're layering again. You sort of uh, get into this run of like ASC and then you're ending with this uh, Abdul uh, Mogard track. Yeah. So, yeah, talk us through that because the Abdul Mogard is um, it actually appears earlier in the mix. Right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, he's there's a really interesting backstory with him. I think he's um, the story that I mean, I've been it's it's been put to me that, uh, you know, that this story may not be correct. But but his uh, he, he's sort of um, I think his background is that he's a, he's an ex factory worker and he's just deciding that he's going to make all this incredibly lush. And um, it was a, a retiring Serbian factory. That's boy. correct. Was, okay. yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, and it's it's interesting. It's seen if you read the titles um, of his tracks, they they do they do relate, but maybe they relate too closely. But you know, actually, no. In fact, the the, the one conversation I had with with with, um, with somebody who was telling me this story, I, I read the track the track titles, and I thought, no, actually, I think it is. I think it is. Um, actually the real story but I'm anyway, a believer <laughs> yeah I'm a believer I want to believe but Abel yeah he, he's he's incredible the, the the he makes these soundscapes um, that are very emotive and very um, I mean you could go for a swim in them you know and especially that one that's uh, it's uh, it's very it's, oh, it's it's a bit of a weepy um, yeah, yeah, it's a real weepy. And what what I realise is that you know using it halfway through the mix or, or in the earlier section, I, c I couldn't quite let it all bloom. I could open okay. the door a little bit, and th and I realised when it, when I was putting it together, I realised that, that you know the first time around, I was thinking I need to I need to I need I need to hear the rest of this. Yeah, yeah, for to, sure. Because yeah. you um, visit it earlier in the mix, yeah. um, just before you go into the Dexter bit, which I guess mm. is the start of like. Um, more of an electro flavour. Yeah, Is that's that, right. Got that right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, let's um, let's take a listen.
So were there any bits that you were particularly thrilled about where you were just like, shit, how did that come together? <laughs> One of the earliest things that were, I was really pleased was Caustic Window into, into the Stingray track because you know, it's, I didn't know if we were going to get the rights to the Caustic Window track. So at any moment, you know, I was so, you know, it was it was done. We had it recorded. And then I was thinking, God, you know, if Richard, if Richard comes through and says no, that's like, because the things before are set in the scene, the Alexi Perilla and then Telepathic Dog from my EP, they're kind of like the beatless things where it's a mood, you know, it's just slowly coming in. And also Telepathic Dog really, the the first point of contact is the bottom end. You you hear the bottom end rather than much more of it, and then slowly it comes out. So yeah. caustic window starts, and that's almost that's like right, we're off. It's the first big statement, that's isn't it? it? Yeah. So if if Richard had said no, or we just hadn't have heard back, that would have been right, the first main statement out of the window. And then um, anyway, he said yes, and then and then so. The, but the blend into uh, Solitude, the DJ Stingray track, I in that I managed to. I felt that I felt that the the mix opened in the right way, and not only that, I managed to I managed to um, draw two of the two of the two of not, not my biggest influences, but two of the, two of the um, two of the people that have that have inspired me in very very particular and very very um, uh, resonant ways. I mean that the what I take from those two people in, in different ways is, is hard for me to articulate. And, um, and so to be able to draw the line between them in the mix where it didn't feel as jarring as it could have done, it could have been, a, you know, could have been really jarring. And, and I felt like, felt like it sort of set things up and then really, you know, sort of opens in the right way. And it opens warmly as well, because yeah, sure. that's one of the things that a few people, a few people have said to me about it. I think, I think a lot of people expected, you know, a history of hardcore or, you okay. know, which is, which is, you know, valid, but, but for a different thing. Yeah. Uh, and I wanted to kind of present maybe some slightly different textures. Um, with this. So you obviously cover a fairly vast range of styles um, in the mix and um, you know you could almost say that what we've got here is kind of um, you know it's like a metaphor it's indicative of like what you've been doing yourself over the last 20 years you know being able to wear all these different hats adopt all these different identities and such um, so you're still playing both as uh, Paul Wolford under your own name and Special Request like how sharp do you think the delineation between the two is at this point? You know, do, do you treat them as like pretty separate things? Yeah, they're, they're, they're separate entities entirely. Occasionally there will be an overlap where um, it'll be a quirk of circumstance. Um, last weekend is a good example. I played with young Marco in um, Barcelona and we, we did back-to-back, -back, you know, part of his Deck Mantle Selectors tour. And, uh, and we did this back-to-back -back thing at the end where... Um, I, I don't think either of us expected it to go the way it did, and it was magic. It was it was like we we were. It was one record on one, and it was like we were brothers. It was like the, the at the end of it was saying, right, we're going to do this for ten hours, and I didn't expect that at all. I mean, you know, I knew it would be good. Yeah, but I mean, we, you're not you're not two DJs I put together on paper. This is it, and he, you know, he was like, and he said to me later on, you know, we're hanging out, and he and he said, he said, yeah, this is a bit of a wild card, but here we are and it was 
and the the territory i could i could feel we we both could feel that the it, we could have gone anywhere really we really could have gone anywhere more so than in in other situations so occasionally you're booked under the name and then you have to go beyond even the the um you know the 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 wi already wide range of special request which which was brilliant but um but yeah the 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 differentiation is is quite stark you know i would never generally i would never play jungle especially okay. if, I, if i gig under my own name even though people come and ask me for it now as well so okay occasionally you have to be you have to be strict about these things and, and yeah, likewise for the benefit of you know the promoter sort of booking yeah, you for a particular thing that's right i mean if it, if it was up to me you know i'd just play everything all the time but yeah. then it's you can't doesn't do work that. like that. It d just doesn't work like yeah, that, yeah. for sure. So, yeah, um, so, if we were to broadly characterise it, mm. Paul Wolford is house and techno, and beyond, you know, yeah. and and way way beyond that. But where I think I think the easiest way to say it is that w with the, the things that the, the DJ sets that I do under my own name, they're not going to get into they're not going to get into sort of beyond 140 bpm yeah sure tops okay. it's never gonna go past that it will you know whether it goes into techno occasionally see the, where they may overlap a tiny bit is is with a little bit of the electro sort of things yeah okay that's where there is a tiny overlap but beyond that there's nothing yeah yeah i see uh let's finish by you telling us your favorite fabric mixes or i mean you could pick one but um, yeah, are there any like massive standouts for you? Yeah, you know, there's there's been tons, but the two the two that I still that I still absolutely all the time, um, Matthew Johnson's uh, that live set that is just it's exceptional, and um, there's a there's a you know there's a section of four tracks. I mean, it's all amazing, but there's a section of four tracks in the middle of that that makes me feel things that I can't I could never put into words the the emotions. I mean, it's dark it's just mind-bendingly good um and then beyond that uh, ricardo villalobos you know you know <laughs> all his own material and right there you go uh, i mean just exceptional you know really really inspiring and really just yeah mind-blowing really Okay, that's it for the hour. Thank you for listening. On the next episode, we go for a drive across London with actress who sat in the front seat and tuned in and out of his favourite radio stations. Until then, you can find The Hour and our sister podcast, The Exchange, on residentadvisor.net and find us on SoundCloud at RA-Exchange.